Collective, how you guys doing tonight? Let's go, let's go. I can still remember a couple of years ago uh, when Collective was like, it was like 60 people, 60 young adults gathering, and just to see the growth, see how many of you are here right now, like kudos to all the leaders. I see some familiar faces. If you're a part of that leadership team who was continuing to be faithful, who stuck with it, man, props to you. Uh, mad props also to uh, the fearless leader, Corey himself. Yeah, give it up, man. Uh, you guys probably don't know this, or maybe some of you might know this, but um, Corey welcomed uh, his baby girl last week, and yeah, yeah, Della, Della Kate, and uh, as we're having collective here, Corey is at the hospital uh, on a couch, uh, streaming in, watching, still being a part of this community. That's how passionate he is, and if you've been coming for a while, you definitely can see that, and so uh, kudos to, to him and his leadership, and congratulations to him and Katie and, and Della, they're probably watching on Facebook right now, too. Who knows? Um, but speaking of kids, uh, I have uh, two little angels of my own, and uh, one, not, not so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, if, if you know me, you know that I love all three of my kids uh, equally, okay? I love all three of them equally. Uh, but if I were to pick a favorite, it would probably be, <laughs> no, honestly, it'd probably be whoever I was affirming in that moment, because we have a thing in our Harper household where uh, I'll look at Cadence, and I'll say, you're my favorite Cadence, or I'll say, you're my favorite Jude, or you're my favorite Kinley, uh, and that's just something we do, something for fun, because they're all three my favorites, but my kids are going through this phase right now where they're just um, learning a bunch. You know, they're they're sponges. So everywhere they go, they're learning something new, whether it's at church or at school, wherever they are. And so they will uh, come to me and they'll be excited to share something that they have they have done. And so Kinley, you know, Kinley would come to me and she'd say, "Hey, Dad, look at what I, I did. Look at what I I made." And she yesterday made this um, craft at preschool, and it's this Samson uh, wig made out of, like, brown paper, because, you know, she's brown, um, and, and, and so she gives it to me, and she's like, Dad, can you hold on to this, because I don't want it to, to get ruined in my, in my backpack, because that's what typically happens to her craft. So I'm walking around with this Samson wig, and it's embarrassing because no one knows why I have this. They just assume that it's mine. But anyways, that, that's Kinley, and she was excited. She was like, hey, Dad, you know what I've done, what I made at school? For Jude, he's all about basketball right now. Um, so we have a basketball hoop at, at home, and uh, he's working on his drills, and he wanted to show off. Like, he can put, you know, dribble in between his legs. He really can't. He just, like, takes the ball and, like, pushes it around. But, like, for him, he's so proud. He's like, Dad, guess what I, I can do? Guess what I've done? Guess what I've learned? And Caden, she's third grade, and she's doing math right now, and she, you know, she, she shows us this paper and how she's gotten all of these math questions right. And she's like, Dad, look, look what I've done. And, and to be honest with you, like, 
Like, I don't know if I could have handled some of her third grade math. Like, I don't know if that says anything about me or about where math is now, but, but Cadence, she's so excited. And, and again, it comes off as like this bragging, like, you know, essentially you're asking the question, do you know what I have done? And that question never really truly leaves our mind, does it? Like as we get older, we still want people to know what we've done, what we've accomplished, or at least maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, it's just me who thinks this way. But, but I know for me, I might not like to admit it, but it is kind of subtle. Uh, for example, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I've found myself really wanting to uh, show people who come to my house the recent renovations that we've made. Um, like, like I, I will give them a tour of the house, and essentially what I'm asking our guests is, hey, do you want to know what I've done? Do you want to know what I've done to this place? Do you, do you want to see it? Um, and I know you're probably wondering, is he going to show us? Is he going to show us what he's talking about? The answer is no, I'm not going to show you. Uh, I'm just kidding, I will, I will, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to prove my point that uh, I want to show you what I've accomplished, uh, so I do have to show you. So um, do you want to know what I've done specifically uh, to my house? Here are some pictures. We bought this house a year ago, and uh, it was outdated. This is not what I've done, just so you know. Someone's like, oh my goodness, this is what you've done? <laughs> what, what is that? But there's brown paneling everywhere. There's a fireplace. There's popcorn ceiling. I mean, everywhere you look, it just screamed brown. Here's what uh, we ended up doing as we renovated over the last couple of weeks. This is what it looks like now. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, see? That's, that's what we're going for. We got some new furniture. We got um, a new TV. That is a TV. Um, and we laid new flooring, had a nice little uh, nook area, painted the doors black to give it a more, I don't know, modern look, I, I, I guess. But that's, that's what uh, I've done. Now, some of you, you get this, right? Like, you probably recently bought a house, and, and, and you had to do some remodeling of yourself. And when people come over, like, you want them to ooh and ah about some of the decor, some of the, the flooring or the furniture, or the paint job that you did. And, and so you, you totally understand where, where I'm coming from. Or maybe for you, it's more on the social media level. Like you or somebody you know likes to post pictures of what you've done, where you've been, and, and it's all about you. If you pay attention to most social media posts, Hopefully I'm not calling anybody out, but most of the posts are centered around us. Look what I'm doing over here. Look what I've done. Look who I'm hanging out with. And, and it's all about me, 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 me. It's centered around me. Or maybe you ask the question, or when you ask the question, do you know what I've done? Um, it's not like that at all. <laughs> uh, it's more so it brings worry and anxiety because you're concerned that someone's about to figure you out, figure something out. Like, you did something wrong, you've tried to cover it up, and someone's going to find out what you did. Do you know what I've done? I hope you don't know what I've done. It's that feeling of being called into, um, you know, your, your boss's office, or you get a message from one of your superiors that says, hey, 
can we meet for 15 minutes and there's nothing else? Uh, Corey does this with me all the time. Uh, and it brings so much anxiety. I'm not going to lie. Like, I keep wondering, like, what did, I, did, I, did I not turn in something on time? Like, like what? even if I didn't do anything wrong, which it's never about anything I've done. It's usually something else. There's still this anxiety. And so you know you probably have felt that way before. But everything I've said so far, everything I've set up, is to set you up for something else. Because we're on this journey over the last few weeks, we're in this series called Making It Personal, where these questions are really uh, about us. It's Jesus asking, hey, do you know this about me? Do you know my name? Do you know where I live? And and this week, we're actually going to answer two questions. And the first one is... Uh, like I said earlier, do you know what I've done? And so go on this journey with me, collective, as we kind of walk through this. But while I was preparing for this sermon, I was like looking through the, the Bible, and, and honestly, I couldn't find a single verse or a single story with the answers to the question from, from Jesus. I, I couldn't. Why? Because the entire Bible is filled with answers, filled with stories, filled with examples um, to answer this question, do you know what I've done? And the answer is simply this, I have made a way to redeem you. When Jesus is asking us this question, do you know what I've done? His answer is, I've made a way to redeem you. You layer that answer over any story, any text, and you will see that it is uh, 100% true. Don't believe me? Stay in this journey uh, with me. So let's look at the fall of man, for example. The fall of man in the Garden of, of Eden, Genesis 3, verse 15, says this. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. This is God talking to Satan. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now this is a foreshadowing of what's to come, right? Like, This is a prophecy of what Jesus would do. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is what this is depicting, that when Jesus died and was buried um, and was resurrected, that he's going to have a final triumph over Satan. And this was God making a way to redeem the relationship that just got ruined after the very first sin occurred. So from the very beginning, we see Jesus redeeming us, wanting to make a way back to him. Or let's go on to something else. Still in Genesis, the uh, sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, Josh talked about this a few weeks ago when he talked about, do you know my name? It's the story about um, Abraham and Isaac. And it says here in Genesis 22, verse 10, it's going to be up on the screen. It says, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. 
So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain the Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Collective, this is another foreshadowing of what was to come. How God was going to redeem the relationship between us and him through his only son. He was going to make a way, he was going to make the relationship with us right again. Or if you look at the, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt for over 400 years, just in bondage, in slavery. I mean, there's a song that we do, um, one of my favorite songs actually right now, it's called Egypt. And if you look at the lines to that song, look at what that song is, is saying, how it talks about God brought deliverance and redemption to the people of Israel, but he also did it for, for us. Like, like that song is, is kind of a, a, a metaphor for what we're going through. It says, these are my favorite lines from this song. It says, you stepped into my Egypt. Again, this is not literal Egypt. This is figuratively, it's my situation. It's my bondage. It's what I'm a slave to. You stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And if you look at these words you can see that this truth is in the past tense. It, it, it means he's done this in your life already. That you can look back, you can see how he's redeemed so many of you, and that's why you're here at Collective. That's why you praise your heart out. That's why you're a Christ follower. That's why you do everything in your, in your uh, uh, control to bring other people close to him. I mean, I could keep going. I could keep talking about how God has redeemed us and made a way back to him. We can talk about David and how David messed up with Bathsheba when he saw her bathing and decided, I want her for myself. And uh, it didn't care that she was already married. But he went and he slept with her and got her pregnant and then had to kill, murder her husband to cover it up. And David went through this restoration process. And you can hear his heart cry out in Psalms when he was saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But David was restored. His relationship with God was redeemed so much so that the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Or we could talk about the Israelites again and how sinful they had become that God just decided, you know what? If you're going to act this way, I'm not going to protect you anymore. I'm going to let your enemies have their way with you. And that's exactly what happened. And they were taken into captivity, taken into exile, and, and they were being governed by other nations for, for years until, again, God started to redeem and restore. And through the person of Nehemiah, he went back and started rebuilding uh, the walls. Or we could talk about the greatest story of all, Jesus coming to earth to live but essentially die so that we can have a relationship with the Father again. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to sacrifice an animal. We have direct access to God the Father because of what Jesus done. It's evident. He made a way to redeem us. Which leads me to the second question 
of the night. And it's, do you know what I can do? So Jesus is asking, do you know what I've done? Now do you know what I can do? For this question, uh, I need audience participation. I actually need a volunteer to help me with an illustration. And it's not going to be like a, you're not going to draw. It's not that kind of illustration, okay? Uh, But I do need someone to volunteer. Any hands up? Medea, come on up here. Give it up for Medea. Now, I can't promise that it won't be embarrassing, okay? Um, but I appreciate your willingness. We're friends, so I feel like you'll forgive me, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Okay, so what we have here is a bottle of water. Nothing special about this water. It's never been opened before. And Medea, uh, how many ounces is in this bottle of water? 16, 16.9 to be exact, okay? Um, so what I want you to do is just hold it for a second. Is that heavy? No. no, it's lightweight, right? Okay, what I want you to do for the next few minutes is just to hold it out like this, just to hold it out, yep, like, like this. There we go, so they can see there's nothing weird about this water. It's, it's water, okay? All right, so bear with me. I'm going to keep preaching, and you're going to keep holding that. Sounds good? Awesome. Thank you. All right, so the answer to the question, do you know what I can do? Do you want to know the answer? Well, it's found in Scripture, but it's also found in songs. There's a popular song right now. You guys love it. It's from Maverick City. It's called I Thank God. That's right. That's right. Uh, which, unfortunately, we're not doing that tonight. But uh, anyways, you, there's a line that the lead singer says, and it's, it's if he did it for me, he can do it for you. It's really subtle when he says it, but there's truth to that, um, s- uh, that line. There's another song, actually it was playing as you were walking in before the countdown video. It's from one of my favorite artists. His name is Ty Tribet. And my kids love to play this song. They tell Alexa, Alexa, or if it's Kinley, Kinley would say, Alex, uh, what should say, Aleska, uh, <laughs> play, play Ty Tribet. And uh, the song is, if he did it before, he can do it again because he's the same God. And both of these songs are founded in Scripture. And one Scripture that ties right into this truth is from uh, Hebrews 13, verse 8. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he does not change. It means the same God who showed up in the Bible, the same God who delivered the people out of Egypt, the same God that we read about and we we marvel about, is the same God who can redeem situations and relationships right now. And the crazy thing is we actually don't even need to go back that far in history. Like, we don't need to go into biblical history. We can actually go into our own history. I bet some of you can remember things or times in your life where you've seen the faithfulness of God. There are times where you are in situations that if it wasn't for God's divine intervention, you would not have made it through. And so you look back, you see the faithfulness of God, you see how he's redeemed you, and he's saying, hey, I'm never giving up on you, and you are not the sum of your worst 
moments. But uh, we're, we're humans, right? We're, we're flawed, and we're creatures of habit. And so we frequently forget the never-changing nature of God. We forget. And we, fr- we frequently forget that we are usually the common denominator. We are the cause of our own demise. That it's our decisions that usually leads to God having to step in and intervene, having to restore and redeem. Here's what we do. We take on something that is not in our best interest. We take on something. Are you okay? You okay? Is your, your hand's getting a little tired? A little tired. Okay. So we take on something, okay, that's not in our best interest. Okay? It might be a sinful nature, you know. It, it might be something that we know goes against what God's will is for our life, what God wants for us, his best. It could be a financial decision. You know, you could have made a decision to buy a house, rent a house, take out a, a loan for a car, um, or, or, or just have some student debt, and all of a sudden, like, you are being crushed by this financial pressure. Or it might be a relationship that you have with someone. You weren't ready to go back into a relationship. It was too soon. You needed time to heal, but you thought, you know what, I can handle this. I've done this before. But now you feel like you're stuck. Now you feel like you are, you've crossed some boundaries and, and you can't come, come back. And at the time... We think it's not a big deal. But what happens is over time, something that we consider to be lightweight, something that we consider to be 16.9 ounces, it eventually becomes, you know, to take a toll uh, on our entire life, on our entire body. And so what happens is we get bogged down in the strain and, and the pressures just pull us into this place of depression. It pulls us in this place where we feel like we're trapped, like we are in, in bondage, that we need divine intervention. And if you're here and you're like, I feel that, I want you to know that, that that's okay. Because Jesus is saying, hey, do you know what I can do? Jesus is saying, I can redeem your mistakes, and I can restore relationships. I can make you whole again. Let's take a look at, at Paul. We don't have to go too far. We can look at, at, at Paul. He, he wrote most of the books in the Bible and they're in the New Testament. And just so you know, when Paul wrote all these letters in the New Testament, when he wrote letters to churches, you're struggling, aren't you? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, you can switch hands. I'll let you switch hands, okay? Um, what, 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 when Paul wrote these letters to the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, and all these places, or when he wrote letters to these, these men like, like Timothy and Titus and Philemon, when he wrote all these letters, just so you know, Paul had no clue that thousands of years later, there'd be a group of young adults talking about who he was and his words. That was never his intention, never his dream. He didn't even intend on his letters going into a collection of books that would be preserved and transcribed or transcripted over years called the Bible. 
Paul had no intentions. His intention was to encourage the local church, was to encourage leaders, was to plant. And so that's what he did. He would travel to different cities. He would plant new churches. He would encourage Christians. He would preach the good news about who Jesus is. And he accomplished a lot for the kingdom of God. But before all of this, again, in case you don't know who Paul is, before Paul was doing all these amazing things for God, he did everything opposite to the will of God. He did everything he could to sabotage what God was doing. He did not champion the will of God. He did everything to stop it. He imprisoned Christians. He beat. He stoned. And he oversaw the death of Christians. He went to the highest courts to get jurisdiction to go to other cities to persecute Christians. And he was actually on his way to a town called Damascus when he had an encounter with Jesus, when he met Jesus and he completely changed his life. And here is what Paul said in one of his two letters to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, he says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Collective, essentially, Paul is saying if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he had the patience with me, who I believe, you know, Paul is saying I, he was the worst sinner. No one could compare to the things that he had done. He's saying, hey, if he did it for me, he can do it again. And I bet some of you in this room can attest to what Paul is saying. That for you, you've come a mighty long way from where you were. That, that you, the atheist, you, the expert sinner, if there was a chance that you could make a way, make it back to God, then there's hope for other people in this room. So maybe for you tonight, this is your Damascus. Damascus is where Paul's life was changed. That's where he received healing. That's where he received new purpose. And that's what Jesus wants to offer. You may have had no intention of even coming here tonight. You may have no intention of meeting Jesus. You may have no intention of being restored, being redeemed. But Jesus is asking, do you know what I can do? Would you just give me a chance? Would you just take a step? Would you just try me? Because I can make all things new. For others of you, you know that Jesus confronted Paul. He confronted him, but he also redeemed him. He didn't stop there. Jesus used 
Paul. He used Paul to continue his mission, to continue his work on earth. And so the question for you may be, do you know what I can do through you? Do you know what I can do through you if you would just let me If you'd give me a chance, if you would lean into my plans instead of your own, instead of trusting your own understanding, what if you just leaned into my will? What if you stopped trying to figure things out on your own and just consult me? It gets heavy after a while, doesn't it? It does. It gets heavy after a while. Trying to do it on your own thinking you can make these decisions on your own, thinking that just one small decision is going to be fine, and the next thing you know, the 16.9 ounces is heavier than you thought. And all Jesus wants you to do is stop holding on and just simply let your pride go aside and let God's power do his work. What would it look like for you to let go? Let go and let God. Let go and let God control your life. Let go and let God show you the plans that he has for you. Let go and let God show you that he is the same. Like everything that you've experienced, everything that you've heard, any stories, any testimonies you've heard up here from any one of us preaching a sermon, he can do the same for you and exceedingly more. Let go of your pride. Let go of the thoughts in your head. Let go of the doubts. Let go of what people are going to say or think about you. Let go and let God. And so tonight, the steps are open, and you can, you can do that right here. You can confess to God and say, you know what? I'm done. I thought this wasn't going to be a big deal, and it's actually bigger than I thought. And there will be people up here that you can come talk to. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I, I really do need an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I've been doing things my own way, and I need to be restored. I need to be redeemed. Same God who did everything in the Bible, the same God who's showed up in your life. He's the same today, forever. If he did it before, he can do it again, and he wants to. So will you stand? Will you pray? Will you let him in? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for these truths. That as we're here tonight, we know that we don't have to leave here believing lies, that we can trust that you are a never-changing God. We can trust that you can show up in our lives and do the miraculous, do the impossible. We can trust that we can let go of our insecurities, we can let go of our mistakes, we can let go of our burdens, let go of some of these decisions, let go of some of these relationships, and just, just trust you. Just give you a try. Like, we've tried everything else. We've tried to do it on our own. We've tried to 
follow what, what social media, what our friends say, what our parents think, and it just hasn't worked out. And I know you have a better plan for us. You have a better will for our lives. And so I pray that we trust that. We trust your track record because you never fail. You're always consistent. So I pray that we turn to that right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.